Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Conversations half. We'll be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne. And I'm Cassie. So today, Pastor Danielle started off by talking about being tired and the idea of not just physically tired after running after toddlers all day um, or part of the day, but also emotionally tired after another shooting or another war or another natural disaster and the inundation of these messages we get through the media. But she kind of reframes this by saying that God's not tired and God doesn't get tired even with all of this violence and all of this war, God keeps working, God keeps restoring. And so we need to kind of take strength from that. Another piece that Pastor Danielle was talking about was about the poor widow that was talked about in the sermon uh, or in the gospel reading. The gospel reading is the very common one where Jesus is talking about how the poor widow by giving the last two coins she had was giving out of her uh giving everything she had and giving out of her poverty whereas others gave out of their abundance and this is usually framed in terms of celebrating the widow and saying she gave till she had nothing but pastor danielle reframed it looking at the previous part of the message where Jesus was talking about how the scribes were robbing widows of all that they had and reframing this as a system that was perpetuating injustice instead of celebrating someone for giving all all she had. Yeah, so instead of celebrating someone for giving everything, it's almost saying like, well, why did she have to give everything? Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't she have more to to sort of reach from in order to give? it brought up for me kind of the question of who has abundance and who doesn't. Um, Not just monetarily abundance, but also time and other things. And are we asking the most of those who don't have much? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm especially thinking about the idea of black women and being always them being strong or them being the backbone of a lot of different movements, but never get really given the recognition of that. Yeah, we ask uh, women, especially women of color, black women, other kinds of marginalized groups to like fight really hard or to sort of lead movements and to lead those movements and fight really hard without getting angry or without doing anything uncivil or without like destroying anybody's property and we ask so much and these are the people that are starting with the least these are the people who are starting with the least sort of economic advantage the least amount of just like mental physical emotional well-being with all of the things that they have to struggle with in the world So, yeah, it's we do ask a lot from the people who have, you know, just the two copper coins like this widow. I feel like that's I see that in a lot of things of if people are asking for justice or asking fighting against all kinds of injustice. It's often the people who are facing that injustice who are fighting and so have already not kind of have double the burden, not just the burden of the injustice, but the burden of fighting for that justice. Yeah, and like I think about when Pastor Danielle was saying like, oh, I'm tired. And I was like, you know, I feel that like, (laughs) you know, I am a student 
I also like struggle with depression and like being tired is just sort of like a constant thing. Um, and like, I'm not even dealing with a fraction of what some people have to cope with. And as soon as you start to like wake up almost, like you start to notice what's happening in the world, it's so easy to get so tired. And like the people who aren't tired, I think are maybe the people who aren't paying attention. Yeah, or the people who are kind of have enough privilege to not have to be able to kind of isolate themselves. Right, they don't have to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's if it's not your community that's been affected, if it's not your family, if it's not if these laws or these policies are something that will affect other people, but not necessarily you, then you don't have to get involved, or you don't have to emotionally get involved, which. Right. I think part of the tiredness is the um, emotional uh, empathy towards these situations and the fact that it just keeps happening. I saw an article recently about uh, compassion fatigue, Mm -hmm. which I think is definitely if when this keeps happening, we just it, it becomes too much or it feels like too much. Yeah. Well, I guess that sort of brings me to like the first thing I wrote down when I was listening to this sermon, which was, I just wrote, how do we preach with broken hearts? Mm -hmm. So this idea that like we, the world is going to break us apart in so many ways. If we're paying attention, if we're allowing ourselves to love other people and to care about the world and to fight for justice, like we're going to get broken. And that's just the way that life is, you know, that's part of being human. Um, but how do we, how do we take our brokenness and like make something out of it? How do we allow ourselves to, to feel that pain and that exhaustion? Um, and I think Pastor Danielle, like the sort of the rest of her sermon after she kind of presented that question was about how we can, how we can rely on God for that sort of, to make something out of what's been broken. Mm Mm-hmm. That's something I hear a lot and kind of the idea of God's everlasting love. And I think that's a really important thing to rest on. But I know something I tend to wrestle with is like what happens when I feel distant from God. Mm-hmm. It's like I understand that promise, but what happens when I can't really fathom it or it doesn't feel real or tangible in some way? Yeah, that's so hard. Like as soon as as soon as I start to like feel any kind of depressed whatsoever I'm just like I don't want to go to church I don't want to see my friends I don't want to like go out and take a nice walk like all of these things that make me feel connected to God I am suddenly like well I can't do any of those things because I'm too tired Mm -hmm. um yeah and so like how can I remain like steady in my belief that God is there and that God isn't tired when I'm just like, well, all I know is that I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like exhaustion can kind of take over your life and it's like, can kind of feel like it's clouding your brain and you can't think straight. And it's just so much. Yeah. It's like, how do you find a way out of that fog? <laughs> <laughs> this is now going to be Deanne and Cassie's top 10 tips for self-care. <laughs> just kidding. I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. It's. It's difficult yeah. because it's such the 
tug of war where I feel like I always should be I feel like I should be doing more I don't feel like I'm doing enough but then I always kind of question is what I'm doing effective Mm. and so I feel like I can tend to live in my own head a lot and so I'll think about things and I'll worry about things but I won't necessarily do things Mm. so it's this thing I'm struggling with is how do I how do I try to avoid kind of just thinking or dwelling on things and actually do things, but also make those effective and not, not kind of run my, keep running myself down. Like, yeah. Cause I feel like one of the, in kind of the social justice movement, we're always talking about like very big and loud things like going to protests and like very stuff like that. But it's like, if you don't necessarily feel connected to that or you don't feel that's the way you want to be involved, what are other ways to be involved? Yeah, and like I I'm like going back to this this thing that I wrote down the impoverishing your life by nourishing your spirit that Pastor Danielle brought up cuz I I like what you're saying is a problem that I hear from a lot of people who are engaged in any kind of like social justice work or you know church work um but I like if anybody knows the Enneagram I'm an Enneagram four which Uh means I have a very like complex and dramatic sense of my own heroic story of my life and so it's very easy for me to like get wrapped up in my own like internal drama of what's going on with me and it's not like in a it's not in a purposefully selfish way it's just that like my brain is sort of get stuck in these circles. So it's like a, it's a flip side of the same coin of what you're talking about of like, I get kind of wrapped up in my own head, kind of like you were talking about. And like, what I need is to sort of jumpstart myself out of that. And by like nourishing my spirit in some way that doesn't necessarily look like people talk about self-care and they're like, oh, take a bubble bath and that's great. But for me, it might mean like, impoverishing my life in some way like giving up my like time that I would spend sitting around feeling sorry for myself and instead use it to to take care of a friend or something like that I don't know if that makes sense yeah and it's I was talking to one of my friends about kind of the journey into adulthood and like feel her feeling like um there's just more and more responsibilities to be had but also the idea of community in like in this world it's often like you must do everything but she was like why can't we live more communally so like in your moments of weakness there is someone else that can step up and support you yeah was this an lvc friend or because it sounds like (laughs) not an lvc friend (laughs) Um, she was not. Okay, so Deanne and I both, uh, we met because we both did Lutheran Volunteer Corps, mm-hmm. which is an intentional, uh, you live in an intentional Christian community, although not everybody has to be Christian, um, and you work a lot of times in social justice, direct service organizations. Um, it's usually young people who have just graduated college, so everybody's like trying to become adults together and like... Yeah, like LVC totally convinced me. I was like, we are not meant 
to live by ourselves like not even not physically because like I live I have a dorm room by myself with my cat um but like that we are not meant to rely on ourselves for everything we're meant to rely on each other and like the gaps in what I can do are meant to be filled in by other people and bringing what they can do Mm -hmm. and like picking each other up when we need it Yes, she is also very interested in um, intentional community. So there was some heavy overlap yeah. between like, oh yeah, I did that for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thinking about social justice and social justice work, it's trying to um, be kind to myself and be like, what are my own strengths that mm-hmm. I can then contribute to this? Yeah, like what can I, what can I bring that maybe other people can't bring in the same way? Mm-hmm. Because it's, um, uh, I can't, I don't know the exact quote, but it was a rabbi saying, like, you are not obligated to complete the work, yeah. but neither are you obligated to... Um, neither are you free to abandon it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, because I, I definitely can be like, it should be solved by now. Right. Like, why haven't all of these problems been fixed, even though we've been working on them for generations? But just seeing seeing myself as a piece of a larger puzzle and a larger Mm -hmm. movement that it doesn't all depend on me yeah that that comforts me a lot when I like sort of can get myself to remember it you know because we were talking about how it can be really hard to remember like God's presence and the presence of something larger than us when we're in these dark and tired moments but when I do I remember that like I'm bringing whatever I can And that's all I need to do is do whatever I can do to take care of the people around me and make my small corner of the world better. And like if other people are also doing that and then there's also God like, you know, like Mm -hmm. God has given us all of this, like these gifts to do good things with them. And then also God is doing something that we can't understand and we can't fathom. And like, that is like, oh, okay. So like, maybe if if I'm not perfect and everyone around me isn't perfect, it could still be okay. Uh Yes, that's that's always the trap of the, if only I could just be perfect. not gonna happen if everything could just go exactly as i thought about it in my head that would be great thank you <laughs> yes i have this all planned out so if everything just goes according to plan <laughs> yeah. yeah um another thing i was uh i had written down when i was listening to pastor danielle was love slash god because she was talking about love being god mm-hmm. um does not give up trying to get us to give up our love of power so I mean, she was talking specifically about power there, but I was also thinking about this when we were talking about intentional community because one of the hallmarks of at least the Lutheran Volunteer Corps intentional community is you don't choose each other Mm -hmm. and you don't really have a choice about whether or not you have to, like you're stuck together for a year. And like my first year in LBC, I had the most beautiful, wonderful community. And the next year, we struggled and it turned out to be a really beautiful, wonderful experience where I learned a lot, but like, I was not happy (laughs) that I was stuck with this person, uh, in my house that I didn't get along with and that I didn't choose. And so like, I don't know, I just, it made me think of this idea of God being like, well, 
I'm stuck with you and you're (laughs) stuck with me. And like, so we're going to have to make something happen. And I'm going to like sit here and wait for as long as it takes you to like come around to this idea that like maybe you're not in charge and maybe you're not perfect. And like, as long as it takes, I'll just be here. Like one of those (laughs) teachers that sits there in class and they're like, I'll wait. (laughs) And they just stand there. And like, God is sort of always going to like be ready when we are ready Mm -hmm. to be more alive, to be more just and loving and communal. And the, the loving, loving God and loving our neighbors doesn't come with asterisks as much as we might want them or put them in there (laughs) (laughs) retroactively. (laughs) Uh, So it's that, yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I funnel God's love? How do I like, open it open up myself to god's love for me but also seeing god's love for everyone around me Mm -hmm. do you ever like find yourself with that question then like turning that into something else that you like worry that you're doing wrong because I do that where I'm like oh if I was just a better christian then I would love this person better Yes, it's like, oh, if I was a better Christian, I wouldn't have just gotten annoyed at that person. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to your guys' conversation from last week where you talked about praying for people on the subway. And I was like, oh, man, I'm like judging people on the subway. Like, I should stop that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's such a weird microcosm of New York City. Yeah. And just... Yeah, because I was thinking about it because there was, uh, um, on the subway down here, there was kind of a man sitting at the end of the car. He was eating, and there was nobody sitting across from him. And even I just was like, oh, I shouldn't sit across from him because nobody else is sitting there. It's like this weird like group think, but also assumptions about people. Yeah. And especially because there's oftentimes homeless people taking the train. And so then it's just what are we assuming about people or about their lives because of how they're presenting or they're acting on the train? Yeah, what were people assuming about this widow who, like, was just putting her two pennies in there? Like, we were talking uh, a little bit before about the... Pastor Danielle pointed out that there was... There's no judgment on Jesus's part about this widow. Like, he's not saying, like, oh, look how great she is. Mm-hmm. And he's also not saying like, oh, look at this poor, sad widow. Oh, he does call her this poor widow. But I think that's more of an adjective rather than like, oh, poor you. And so like this idea that he sort of assigns no specific like assumptions to her and just is like, well, she doesn't have very much and she's giving. So like we all can give, I guess, is the idea, but not necessarily like that she's really, really great because she's suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes it can end up in pop culture or other things as kind of the glorification of poverty, like money can't buy you happiness or the, the kind of narratives where, oh, they got really rich, but then they got like distracted by their things or other narratives that, that end up glorifying poverty. But I feel like they're often told by people who've never been in poverty yeah for sure like even thinking about like 
our experiences in in living in intentional community and like living on a very small stipend like it was not living in poverty it was a sort of gesture at understanding the kinds of decisions and the kinds of practices that people have to have to engage in when they don't they aren't necessarily having a lot of things and a lot of money but we had a lot of other things like we had a lot of time together we had a lot of community we had a lot of support networks and I think that's like we can kind of puff ourselves up and be like well I you know don't need blah 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 like look how great I am I don't even have a tv or like people will be like look how great it's so great to just like get away and like leave all your devices behind and it's like well yeah that's great but that's not just because you don't have something doesn't mean that you're gaining something else. Mm-hmm. And I guess part of that is, or a lot of the people who are talking about that are talking about that, talking that way. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. They're leaving devices behind. They're cutting the cord. It's they're choosing to n- do or not do something. Whereas oftentimes in poverty or what I've read and heard about is you're doing things out of desperation. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's sort of you hit the nail on the head there that it is like it's about I mean, I guess being in poverty means like just not having choices mm-hmm. or like the Pastor Danielle was talking about the scribes who would take all like who would inherit money after men died and so they wouldn't give it to the widows because women couldn't handle money obviously um and (laughs) uh then they would like basically misuse it so it's like the widow doesn't have a choice about whether or not she's going to be in poverty she just you know is sort of stuck Mm -hmm. among all of the other things that i'm sure women in biblical times didn't have choices about (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's also as relevant because I recently had to go to the doctor and then it was like oh yay here's the big medical bill that you get to have and that's even with insurance but the fact that I still have enough in savings to pay for that comfortably without worrying about like am I gonna be able to buy food am I gonna be able to buy rent or Mm -hmm. pay rent uh and so then it's still like it's often the surprises that can hurt people even more when they're in poverty. Like if you're living to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, you have nothing for if something unexpected happens. So then like, what is, what is our role sort of to, to give to others if we come from a place of, of abundance? Cause like I definitely consider myself to be coming from a place of abundance. Like, my you know I'm a student so I like don't have a ton of resources right now but like my parents have you know a really nice house and they are gonna help me make sure I always have health insurance and like I'm never gonna starve or be out on the streets or anything um and like I am getting a master's degree like I've got it pretty pretty freaking good and so like how because I think the other thing I had written down that Pastor Danielle brought up was that Jesus was killed for love. So that suggests that love is sort of inherently risky. And so I think, like, I wonder what it is that we risk if we come from a place of privilege 
when we give to others? Like, how do we give in a way that is is maybe a little risky? Like, not to say that we want to be like taking, you know, crazy, like doing crazy things that would like really hurt ourselves and other people. But like, how do we sort of make sure we have some skin in the game? Yeah, and that's definitely something I've been thinking about is coming from a place of a lot of privilege, like I should be getting involved. And like, even though this isn't, I could say, oh, this doesn't really affect me. This doesn't really affect my family. I should be saying, no, this is important because these are also children of God. Yeah. And because, and so then, yeah, getting involved in some way and trying, I guess for me, trying to kind of always push myself or consider like, how involved am I really? And how involved can I be? And there's, and it's kind of the thing of like, if I can't be involved in a time fashion, because I'm busy with other things, can I be monetarily involved? Can Mm -hmm. I be giving to things? And how am I also um, trying to work on kind of a larger level? How am I like, talking to my legislators or things like that about what what we should fix on a broader scale because it's I might not have all the answers or all the solutions but it um but there's so much power within like the government to help people and to do things yeah and sort of allowing ourselves to to care I mean we sort of we're sort of circling back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like if you when you do allow yourself to to care about all of the things that are going on in the world and to be empathetic and to look at other human beings as children of God, then you can't help but sort of, I guess, I guess we're sort of answering my question of like, you can't really help but have some investment in our collective well-being, our collective, like working towards the kingdom of God, because, you know, you end up, yeah, you feel that empathy, you feel that if we are not all free, then none of us are free. That kind of idea. Mm-hmm. I know there's like a there's like an actual quote, and I don't remember who it is. Yeah, it's also especially a big thing for me is how I think about other people, mm-hmm. especially people who are homeless or people who are panhandling. Is I I can often find myself thinking about like how inconvenient, how annoying, all of these things, but empathizing with them seeing how they're coming from a place of desperation and yeah just questioning kind of my initial thoughts of judgment towards them yeah it's so hard like in new york or i would imagine in any big city like the compassion fatigue is like you're like oh man like i feel bad i've walked past this person so many times um yeah it's really hard yeah, yeah. Because there used to be one person who would sit on like the same corner that I would pass by pretty much every day going to work. Like, I haven't seen her recently, but just this weird like, I see you like every day, and yeah, yeah, it is strange. I mean, I think talking about sort of like risk and what risks we take when we reach out to other people, like. I always feel like I have to balance risks in terms of like risk to like, oh, I won't have, you know, if I 
put my $5 in the offering plate on Sunday morning, then I won't have $5 for the vending machine when I'm in the middle of class and I really need a Snapple. But like, that's, you know, I just risked my ability to buy a Snapple. It's not a big deal. I can, you know, I can survive. Um, But I think like, sometimes when I'm out and about in New York and you want to maybe risk embarrassment or awkwardness by engaging with somebody but you're also you also could be risking like you just don't know what you could be risking and I think like we're we're sitting here as two white women which I mean we have a fair amount of privilege but like I'm also a queer woman and just a straight up woman (laughs) so like there is risk out there and it, it can be hard to navigate that balance of like I was in a a, um, bodega on my way home from work a few weeks ago and this uh, man started sort of ranting and raving about like white women and how and I sort of had my headphones in so I don't know if he even knew I could hear him but I was very scared because it was dark outside and I did not know I just wanted to get my you know Rice Krispie treats and go home. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, had to walk through some like dark patches between streets um, to take my usual route home. So, this is sort of a digression, but like this idea of to take risks for the sake of love, but also to pay attention to your surroundings and stay safe out there, friends, especially if you are a woman or a, especially a gender non conforming person. Um, or a person of color like please stay safe yeah because it's like kind of I guess there's that choice again is like taking a risk by allying ourselves with people of color because we're choosing to go from Mm -hmm. our privilege of whiteness to some amount of risk like if we're going to a protest or something like that versus the like living with the risk Of, yeah, just living with the risk of being, like, women in the world and what that means and men just feeling like they can flirt with us in any public space and... Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, I guess maybe it was a little, like, strange for me to be in that bodega because, like, it was in Harlem, but I was sort of, I just just want my Rice Krispie treats, (laughs) like, but... um, but it's still that, yeah. yeah, just being aware of yourself in the world mm-hmm. in a way that, like, men don't have to be. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, it's definitely that kind of weird, like, patrolling of yourself in, like, what do I do? What do I not do? How yeah. can I How can I try to avoid risk? Yeah. And I wonder if, like, we could do that as in our areas where we have privilege, like I'm thinking about this, you know, like a situation with like a homeless person in your neighborhood or like being in a neighborhood that isn't yours. Like I was, you know, in Harlem, which is historically a neighborhood that has held African-American, that has been home to African-American people and who are being systematically pushed out of that home. Like me being there, coming home from work at my yoga studio, like maybe I could have been more aware of what kind of space I was in that like mm-hmm. I am part of the gentrification of Harlem just by being there 
And so if we have to be so aware of ourselves as like women, maybe we could also be aware of ourselves as like white people and being like, what am I doing by being in this space? That's definitely something that's changed um, since LVC and doing more kind of anti-racism trainings is kind of being aware of my own whiteness um, mm-hmm. and being aware, especially in groups of like, what is the makeup of this? Is this a majority white space or not? And why? Yeah. Yeah. So looking back at my notes, another thing that stuck out that you mentioned before um, is kind of love of power versus love of God. And I definitely, this is a little bit convicting right now, (laughs) uh, but I definitely feel like I can fall into that where I'll put what the world kind of esteems of like, oh, if I can get power, influence in these different ways and really desiring that versus being like what what does god desire and how am i am i desiring that as well or am i prioritizing like i want to have influence i want to have power i want to be seen as strong in the world yeah i think like even with people who are working for justice and trying to follow this path of of liberation for oppressed people like people that I go to seminary with there's still like we're still humans Mm -hmm. and there's still a sense of like well you want to you know have the sermon that like everybody loves and everybody comes to watch you preach or like you want to have the program in your church that's like the most successful and like you want to be like this groundbreaking theologian and like I definitely I'm in that like camp like I kind of want to be like like the next Nadia Boltz Weber like whatever (laughs) but that's not necessarily like that that does seem like a human desire like there's there's power dynamics even in our movements that are about dismantling other power systems yeah or kind of the looking at intersectionality is like how often do we let racism exist in the queer community or things like that and that yeah living under those intersections how much do we acknowledge that or i'm like oh no we should be focusing on this issue though that one's later yeah like i'm like well you know like i have a i have an important voice like i'm a queer lutheran woman living with mental illness like having had the experiences that I've had like but just because I do have a unique voice doesn't mean that my voice should be the one that's heard all the time (laughs) or even at all maybe like just by my small congregation that I'll have someday something like that kind of interrogating why do we want things or why do we Mm. want to do things I mean I guess God sort of calls us to give up loving power and love authenticity maybe Mm -hmm. like if I'm always speaking from my experience and like trying to listen to others that's an authentic way of approaching the world and and living in the world and that I think is if that results in me having some kind of voice that others hear it should be in the service of like them then feeling empowered in some way or feeling um helped in some way yeah it's the kind of thing where like of course 
we're in this society and in this world, we're never all going to be equal. But are we reaching for power because, or are we reaching for power or are we reaching to do God's will and getting power along the way? Mm. Yeah. Or are we reaching for power to keep for ourselves or are we reaching for power to to do our part Mm -hmm. and then like pass it along to someone else like going back to the you know you don't have to complete the work but you can't abandon it like are we taking on our 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 moment in the spotlight or our moment of like influence Mm -hmm. and getting it set up for the next uh the next person to come along. Like I actually, speaking of Nadia Boltzweber, um, I, when I was living in Minneapolis, I volunteered at the first Why Christian conference Mm. that she put on with Rachel Held Evans. And it was the very first one. So it was like, it was kind of special because it was fairly small. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there were a lot of people there, but like the volunteer crew and the like speakers got to like hang out a little bit, which was cool. But they said purposely, they said like, Nadia and Rachel were like, we have this influence right now. People are listening to what we're saying. Mm -hmm. People are asking us to preach and write books and tell them things. But it's not going to last forever. We don't want it to last forever. We want to go and find the people whose voices we think should be heard next. And so the whole conference was just like women, queer women, women of color, like all different denominations, uh, trans women was there. Um, So just like they were sort of like, okay, your voice needs to be heard. And like, we want to hear what you have to say. And we want to listen to you and like recognizing that when you have power, it's your responsibility to like pass it to others. Mm -hmm. And help give other people a platform that they wouldn't necessarily have. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. So we always end the podcast with uh, the same question, which is, what will you do differently this week? And I knew this was coming and I still didn't think of anything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do you know, do you know yours? Kind of. Or I want to look for God's presence. Mm. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. Especially, yeah. I very much related to Pastor Danielle and the tiredness, so yeah. I want to look for God's presence and find refresh in their presence. Yeah, I like that. I also really related to the tiredness part. I think I think I'm going to try to be focused on like this is going to sound like I came straight out of Sunday school, like being of service to others, mm-hmm. but not in a way of like donating to the food pantry or not that that's not great and maybe I will do that um but like I've been going through a really rough patch in my life over the past couple months and I've been really relying on my friends to kind of like pick me up through that and but the problem is that I'm not good at telling people when I'm having a hard time like I just sort of like go and sit in my room and like don't talk to anybody if I'm feeling sad so then, and then I feel angry with my friends or not angry, but I feel sad because I'm like, well, my friends don't care. And then I'll be like, well, I didn't actually tell them that I needed their help. Um, but I also like, I think maybe the reason I don't tell them when I need their help is because I feel like I'm not giving them anything in return. And obviously 
relationships are not transactional. I learned that in Lutheran Volunteer Corps. <laughs> but I think it always makes me feel connected and less exhausted and like I have more purpose in the world when I can ask a friend about something that's going on in their life and really listen. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if I know that somebody's having a bad day and I like do something to cheer them up or even just give them a hug. Like I think, I don't know, I've been having a sad couple of days and I was very tempted to just totally isolate this week and just be like, I'm just going to get through to Thanksgiving break and I'm not going to like go to chapel or hang out with any of my friends or whatever. I'm just going to do my homework and get out of the city. But maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe this is God kind of poking me and being like, is that really going to be what's good for you and makes you feel less tired? Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. You can email us at podcast at adventnyc.org or join our Facebook group, Advent Sermons and Conversations, to join the discussion. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.